0: coming in and worshiping the name of Jesus. I might just have them go like all night. I might not even need to say anything. I hope you guys are ready. No. Um, Hey, as you're taking your seat, turn to your neighbor, give them a hug, a high five, a handshake. Let them know that tonight is going to be a good night because they get to sit by you tonight. And you've been reading up on and studying on the Holy Spirit. And so who knows, something crazy might just happen tonight. Hey, my name is Connor. I'm one of the pastors here at uh, Young Adults and at Red Rocks Church. I oversee our incredible volunteers. Give it up for the volunteers. They make this place run. Hey, is it anybody's first time here checking out Young Adults? Anybody's first time here? Awesome! Give it up for the newbies! Hey, we just want to say welcome. Um, We don't expect you to believe exactly what we believe. Yet, however, we are going to lift up the name of Jesus in this place. And we believe that Jesus is the only avenue to have a relationship with God. But we believe that Jesus loves you. He cares about you. He's not here to judge you because he took judgment upon himself on the cross. And so we are just praying that you experience him, and whatever that looks like for you, and that you walk out these doors different than when you came in. Hey, who here was here last week? Who here was here last week? six of you. All right, last week, for the other people that weren't here, we kicked off a new series entitled The Holy Spirit, and my goal last week was to simply lay a foundation Of what the Holy Spirit was, who the Holy Spirit is, and his role in our life. And we took a look at John chapter 16, and we read Jesus's words on the Holy Spirit. And Jesus said, believe it or not, that it's better that he's not here so that we have the Holy Spirit. Now, I know a lot of us in this room are probably like, yeah, right, that doesn't make sense. If Jesus was here, my life would be better. I wouldn't sin anymore. But Jesus would actually disagree with you. He said, it is Better that I leave so that the Spirit may come, the comforter, the helper, the advocate may come to you. We learn that Jesus said that He will guide you in all truth, that His primary role in our life is a guide. And we learn that He will always point our He'll always point us back to the finished work of Jesus, the empty tomb of Jesus, and the Word of God. And so tonight, I just wanted to kind of pick up where we left off last week on the Holy Spirit. So this is part two of the Holy Spirit. And so as I was prepping for this and I was reading for this and getting ready for this, I thought if we laid the foundation last week of sort of who the Holy Spirit is and why he's important in our life, I think the next logical step would sort of be to answer the question, um, how do I best communicate with him? If the Holy Spirit is real and if he is alive and if, as the Bible said, he has made his living in my heart I'm the temple of the Holy Spirit. If he's been given to me as a guide and if he's actually better than having Jesus here in the flesh for me right now, what is the best way for me to communicate with the Holy Spirit? Or maybe a better, more biblical question would be, how do we hear and better recognize the voice of the Holy Spirit? How do we hear his voice? How do we discern his voice from all the noise? How do we recognize the voice of the Holy Spirit in our life as he guides us through this life? And so if you have your Bibles, turn to Galatians chapter five, Galatians chapter five. If you don't have a Bible, it'll be on the screen, but you also get permission from Flatirons Church to go steal a Bible from any local bookstore. I'm kidding, guys for the two of you that laughed, this is going to be a great night. We've got six people engaged. Here we go. All right. Galatians chapter five, we're going to start in verse 16. And it says this, but I say, walk by the spirit, seek him and be responsive to his guidance. And you will not gratify the desires of the flesh real quick. I just want to pause right here real quick. Did anybody grow up in church? Anybody a church person? I grew up in church. You can probably tell by all the baggage. Um, And I remember like our pastors would always be like, this week, I'm going to tell you how to overcome sin, overcome temptation, how to live in power. And as, you know, as like a high school or whatever, I'm like, all right, I need that because I'm like falling left and right to sin and temptation. And his answer would always be, just walk by the spirit. And you're like, awesome. Like, What the heck does that mean? Like, how does that help me at all tomorrow? But, sorry, that just made me think of that when I read it. All right, Galatians 5. I say, walk by the Spirit, seek Him, be responsive to His guidance, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now, the works of the flesh are evident. It's sexual morality, it's impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, especially when you're playing video games, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, gross, and things of these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things as this will not inherit the kingdom of God, but the fruit of the Spirit, which dwells in us, The fruit of the Spirit, it's love, it's joy, it's peace, it's patience, it's kindness, it's goodness, it's faithfulness, it's gentleness and self-control. How many people need some self-control in their life? It's self-control and against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And if we live by the Spirit, let us also, and this is important if you have your Bible, underline this, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step, with the Spirit. Let's pray and we're going to jump in. Father God, tonight we just ask that we get a revelation of your Holy Spirit. God, last week we talked about Jesus never expected us to be able to be Christians on our own. He never expected us to just figure this thing out, but he gave us the guide, the comforter, the the healer. He gave us the Holy Spirit to lead us and to guide us into all truth and to show us how to live this life to become more like you, Jesus, to be lights in this world. And so tonight my only prayer is that you, Father, would reveal to us more about the Holy Spirit. Maybe it's through something I say, maybe it's through something I don't say, and it's just a thought that you put on people's hearts. But God, would you teach us how to tune in and, and learn to be led guided by the Holy Spirit, because I think it's one of the most critical things for a Christian that we can learn to do. So God, we give this night to you. We lift up the name of Jesus, and we believe, we put our faith in that as we lift up his name, our lives will be changed. We can't do it on our own. We need you, God. We need your spirit. We need you, Jesus. It's in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Scott. Making me sound spiritual there. Hey, If you've been coming to young adults for a while, and by the show of hands, that'd be most of you, um, some of you probably know that growing up, I played sports. I had these dreams and aspirations of being in the NFL. As you can see, that didn't happen, and so I I loved playing sports, and uh, particularly because I grew up in Virginia, I loved football. Now most of us in here who played sports know that there is one key essential as a team that you need to continue to grow and to be better and to push yourself if you're playing team sports and this might sound simple but it's it's this you need a coach If you're playing team sports, you need a coach to to help you along, to grow your talent, and to make you better. Now, every once in a while, every once in a decade, or I don't know, I feel like there should be like movie, you know, sounding music behind this, you get the privilege of like playing for a legendary coach, You get the privilege of playing for a coach that is just like a legend in their own right. That like people in grades above you are just like, man, just wait till you play for this guy. He's going to be tough on you. He's going to be hard on you. But you're going to come out not just a better player, but a better person. Like every once in a while, you get an opportunity to play for a legendary type coach. And for me, in high school, that was Coach Tibbs. This guy, Coach Tibbs, had a legacy at Sherando High football. He was the linebacker coach and he was my personal coach my sophomore and my junior year of high school. And Coach Tibbs genuinely was a legend. The man was five foot two and built like a brick house. He was like 5'2", 245 pounds, and in a previous life, Coach Tibbs used to be a professional wrestler in the WWF. The man was intense. He was Doink the Clown. I don't know. I don't even know who that is, but we'd always make fun of him for it, but Coach Tibbs, he was this giant, short giant of a man. I guess wide of a man. I don't know, but like he was this this giant dude that just had this like legacy of producing incredible linebackers. I don't know what happened to me, but like he, he just had this like aura about him. And the one thing, he was so intense. It felt like Coach Tibbs was, was talking or teaching or yelling at 100% all the time. He literally used to have these veins that looked like just tubes that like <laughs> bulged out of his neck. And his face was always like blood red. And he would yell. He never talked. He just yelled like 100% of the time. And the one thing that I distinctly remember about Coach Tibbs was his voice. He had this booming, just like authoritative voice that you could not mistake and you could not deny. And there would be times like you would be out on the field and as a linebacker, you'd be making like a read of like, all right, is this a run? Is this the pass? And, and there's like lights and you hear, you're hearing calls and there's cheerleaders and there's music and your team's making calls. And through all of it, as the ball snapped and you're making your read, like you could distinctly hear like Coach Tibbs' voice being like, pass. And you're just like, you know, like backing up just instinctively. Like you could hear him. And the most intimidating thing in the world was when Coach Tibbs would yell your name, Grim! But I mean, like a a million times louder and stronger than that, just like, Grim! And you're like, oh my gosh, like what did I, is that a happy Grim? Is that like a sad Grim? Am I like, am I about to die right now? Like what is, what is going to happen? And I distinctly remember this one moment with Coach Tibbs that I can like close my eyes and go back to, Um, it's just an impression that Coach Tibbs left on me forever. And I can, like, close my eyes and hear his voice. I was a sophomore, and I was playing JV football, and one of our major roles on the JV team was to do the scout team. Does anybody know what a scout team is? All right, so let me teach you, because one person raised their hand. A scout team (laughs) was somebody, like the group of, like, sophomores, freshmen, that would get together, and they would mimic the opposing team's defense or offense, but I play defense. So I would mimic the opposing team's defense so that our varsity team would know what they're like looking at come Friday. And so my only objective my sophomore year was one, not to die, and two, to be really good at mimicking like all the teams are about to play defense. And so we're playing this team, a rival team. We're getting ready. It's like a Wednesday it's our last padded day of practice. Thursdays were kinda of like walkthroughs and then Friday was the game. And so we're getting ready and I'm playing outside linebacker and we're doing this play where I stunt and I blitz and 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 Uh, scout team here's like the bad thing about playing scout team it's not like a real scrimmage because as a scout team player if you like defeat the varsity team the coach has a simple phrase run it back and like you have to run the play back so that the offense can know what to expect like why did this play go wrong like why did these JV players make a play in the backfield or whatever and so we're running this play I'm supposed to blitz and I get in the backfield, I make a tackle behind the line of scrimmage, and our head coach is furious. He's like, why the heck did that happen? And I got past a guy who was a senior. He was a D1 prospect, D1 AA prospect. He was like 6'3", 6'4", 250 pounds on like a light day. He was huge. And he was kind of a jerk, if I'm being honest. Like, he just he was one of those guys that in football, like, loved to pick on, like, the underclassmen. And you're like, oh, man. Thank you for showing us all your insecurities by, like, picking on us little kids. Like, (laughs) but I got past him, and I made a a play in the backfield, and our coach was like, run it back. Like, how did Grim get back there? And, like, on scout team, you can run the exact same play, like, 12 to 15 times. And so the element of surprise is lost after play number one. Like, this guy knew exactly what I was about to do. And so what he started to do, because I kind of embarrassed him a little bit, was, we, you know, run it back. I would go. I'd blitz. He'd know exactly what was going to happen. And he'd, like, grab my face mask and, like, throw me to the ground. And I'd get up again. The coach was like, all right, run it back. And so, like, he knew I was coming. He'd, like, grab my mask and, like, trip me down. And he did this. He was kind of being dirty. And one time, Coach Tibbs from the sideline saw me get my face mask grabbed and thrown to the ground. And he's like, Grim, you're going to let him treat you like that, Grim? Is that how it's gonna be? You're just gonna get your face mask grabbed and thrown to the ground? All right, Grim, I see how it is, man. I see how, that's how you like to play football, huh? You're just gonna roll over and like let this guy, and I'm like, this is the 12th time we've run this play. Like, <laughs> what do you want me to do, Tibbs? Like, he knows, like, he knows this game is exactly what I'm supposed to do, and if I don't do it, I get in trouble because this is the play that they run. Like, And so, like, Tibbs, like, they call a timeout or whatever, and the offense is, like, you know, making their adjustments. We're about to run the play for, like, the 13th time. And Tibbs is, like, all right, Grim, I guess this is just, like, this is you now, right? Just getting chucked aside like a rag doll. And, like, me and all my JV friends are, like, don't don't let him do that to you. And I'm just, like, (laughs) what am I supposed to do? Like, (laughs) and so we line up and I just make up in my mind, and now listen, I don't condone this, because this was kind of a dirty play, but he was being dirty to me, so I thought it evened out. I just made up in my mind, he knows I'm blitzing, and I was smaller at the time, I was way smaller than him, but I was smaller, and I was quicker, and so normally when I blitz, I would try to like, rip my way around, or swim my, my way around, I wouldn't like Go right at him. I was trying to be quicker than him. But I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna run straight at him. And what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna lower my helmet, and because he's six foot three, I'm gonna put the tip of my helmet right under his chin and jump and just see what happens. <laughs> and so, ready, set, hike. I go like sprinting in. He's expecting me to try to be like shifty. I do this and leap. <laughs> and I knock his helmet off his head. And his chin starts to bleed, and he falls to the ground. And from like 50 feet away, I just hear, Grim! And I'm like, oh my gosh, it's Coach Tibbs. And I'm like, I've just hurt our starting right tackle like two days before a game. Like, what am I thinking? And I hear this like booming voice being like, Grim! And this grown man is like running over to me. (laughs) And I'm like, I'm dead. Like, I'm like genuinely in trouble here. And Coach Tibbs. And this unmistakable voice is like grim, and he grabs me underneath my pads, and he literally lifts me off the ground. I remember this, clears it, and he was like, that's the way you bleep and hit somebody, grim. <laughs> and I was like, all right, like, sick, it worked. Tibbs, and this voice, this like, it like shook me to my depths, like this soul, like my soul, like I thought I was dead. But I will never forget the sound of Coach Tibbs' voice. It was so loud. It was so booming. It was so unforgettable. Now, you're probably thinking, why in the world am I telling this story and, like, reliving my one glory day on my scout team and <laughs> JV football? First off, give me it. I'm 30, okay? Like, let, let me go back, okay? But secondly, because I think oftentimes as Christians who have the Holy Spirit, we wish sometimes so badly that the voice of the Spirit would be easy to hear and discern like Coach Tibbs. Don't we wish just sometimes as we go throughout our day that when the Holy Spirit would speak to us or lead us or guide us, that it would just be this booming, like resounding, unmistakable voice? And I think for a lot of us in this room, that we just wish that the Spirit as he led us would just be like, Graham, do this! And I'd be like, okay, like I can't, I can't mistake that. And so what happens is because the Holy Spirit's voice isn't booming, isn't loud, it, sometimes it's hard to discern the Holy Spirit's voice. I think sometimes we, we, we don't know what to do. We don't know how to interact. We don't know how to be led by the Spirit. And oftentimes, I think our reaction to this is that we want like a step-by-step guide, something laid out to us, that if we do this and we do this and we don't do that, then we'll clearly hear the voice of the Spirit. We want to treat our relationship with the Spirit like an equation or some type of transaction, like if I do this and I do this and I avoid this, then I'll be able to hear God's voice and discern His will for my life. The only problem is we haven't been given an equation when it comes to the Holy Spirit. What we've been given is a person. The Holy Spirit is a person. He's a person. He's, he's God, alive, living, active inside of us. We haven't been an, given an equation to figure out. We've been given a person to have a relationship with. A person to have a relationship with. And so if you're taking notes, if you, if you like to write stuff down, My first point when it comes to being able to better hear and discern the voice of the Holy Spirit in our life is simply this invest in your relationship with Him. Invest in your relationship with the Holy Spirit because relationships are not equations, they're investments. You invest time, you invest energy, you invest finances in the people that you care about and the people that you want to get to know better. When you want a relationship with somebody, you don't just study them or try to figure them out. You actually put in the effort to spend time with them, to talk to them, and to get to know them. And it's no different at all with the Holy Spirit. If you want to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit better and better as you continue to walk with Jesus, you need to work on your relationship and invest in your relationship with him. It's like when I first started um, dating Aaron, when I was introduced with Aaron. How many people know like when you, first, when you first start dating and you first make that like initial phone call, your heart is like pumping and you're super nervous. And, and honestly, there's this unfamiliarity with the voice of the person you're about to talk to. Their voice sounds different. Like it, it, it's new. Like it's and then like as the relationship progresses and you invest more and you spend more time with this person, you start to become more comfortable with this person. You start to recognize the voice of this person. And now, right now, I, I guarantee you, I could pick out Aaron's voice in in this room. Like right now, you start to become more familiar with that voice as you as you invest in that relationship. Now, maybe you're in here. And you're a very practical person. I'm not practical at all. I Genuinely not. But maybe you're in here and you are type A. You're super practical. And you're like, okay, invest in my relationship. Like, that is super vague. Like, what do I need to do to invest in my relationship to get to hear the Holy Spirit better? And honestly, the, the part of my brain that understands this would say, well, it's different for everybody. But I know that there are three foundational, three fundamental things that we as Christians can do to better uh, start to invest in our relationship with hearing the Holy Spirit as he guides us in our life. Now these might seem basic or they might seem rudimentary, but I promise you they're foundational and they work for a reason. They're foundational for a reason. It's because they work. The first thing is simply this. Read your Bible. Read your Bible. The Spirit, the Holy Spirit, is the Spirit of the Word of God. The Holy Spirit was there and inspired Paul. He inspired Luke. He inspired Matthew. He inspired Peter. He inspired Mark to write down the book that we call the Bible. The the Holy Spirit is the co-author of the Bible. And I was reading a commentary, and the commentator said this. A lot of us, all of us, have a native language. I speak English as my native language. Maybe you speak Spanish or you speak Italian or Portuguese or whatever as your native language. He said, the native language of the Holy Spirit is the word of God. If you want to start tuning in and hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit more, read your Bible. The second thing you can do if you want to start practically working on investing in your relationship with the Holy Spirit is this. Pray. Spend time in prayer. What prayer does is it translates what you you read in your head and moves it to your heart and starts applying it to your own life. And maybe you're in here and you're like, well, I'm not very good at praying. Here's what's awesome. I believe it's Romans. It says that even when you don't know what to pray for, this is how good our guide is, the Holy Spirit is. The Bible says the Holy Spirit will intercede for you and pray for you even when you don't know how to pray. So if you want to start investing in your relationship with the Holy Spirit more and being sensitive to his voice. Read your Bible. Start speaking his language and then pray. Apply it to your own life. And my final thing, not my final thing of the message, but my final point—and being practical is this. Get planted in a church. Get invested in and planted in a church. Listen, if Red Rocks is not your church, if Young Adults is not your church, that is awesome. Listen, we don't want you here to pad our numbers. We honestly believe that if you come here and you get planted in here and you start serving in here and you get relationships in here, there is a blessing that comes on those that are planted in the church. But listen, this is what's so awesome. It's not just Red Rocks Church. It's every church. It's every church that lifts up the name of Jesus. And so if you have a church, get invested in your church Get planted in your church. Find community within your church because the Holy Spirit will speak through the word. He'll speak through prayer, but then he'll also speak through the relationships that you form at your church. Maybe it's friends, maybe it's a pastor, maybe it's a worship leader, but he'll speak to you through the relationships that you have at your local church. Read your Bible, pray, and get planted in a church. And if you're a Christian, I'm sure that you're familiar with, with most of these things, I'm sure what I said right there was probably not revolutionary or, or, or something that you've never heard before in your life. And I'm not trying in this message to breeze over those. I could preach on each one of those, its own individual sermon on why it's important. But I think the temptation with that is to take that, that reading your Bible, praying, getting invested in community, and like I said earlier, try to fit that into an equation to make you feel like you've earned the right to hear from God. Well, Connor said, read my Bible. I read my Bible for 15 minutes today. Connor said, pray. Okay, I prayed for 10 minutes today. He said, get involved in a church. I went to my life group. Okay, God, now you owe me to tell me who I'm supposed to marry. It doesn't work that way. Remember, like the Holy Spirit is not an equation. And what's just as important as, as what you do as you learn to invest in your relationship, what's just as important as what you do, it's equally important to learn who you're investing in. Think of it like this uh, How many people have seen Dancing with the Stars? Dancing with the Stars. I've seen two episodes. Um, it was the one with Terrell Owens. Um, I just, I like football, so I watched two episodes with Terrell Owens. Um, And what I learned from my brief stint in watching Dancing with the Stars is this, dancing, especially dancing um, the way that they dance. Dancing, like traditional dance, ballroom dance, my mind blanked. Um, Dancing is like a two-part process. There's two things you essentially need to learn. The first thing you need to learn in a dance are the steps, Obviously, if you don't know the steps, you will not know the dance. And as a Christian, the steps are reading your Bible, praying, getting planted in a church. You have to know and do and learn your steps if you want to learn the dance. But there's a second and equally as important part in learning how to dance. And that's learning the partner that you're dancing with. See, you can know all the steps. You can know how to do all the steps. But if you don't have chemistry with your partner, if you don't know how to move together, if you don't know how to be led by your partner in a dance, knowing the steps is great, but it's not going to look good. It's not going to turn out well. Because you need to know the steps, but you also need to know how to dance with your partner. And I think for most of us, we familiarize ourselves with the routine. We familiarize ourselves with the steps, But we don't familiarize ourselves with the person that we're actually dancing with. The person that's supposed to be leading us and guiding us in life. And so maybe you're in here tonight. And maybe as I said, hey, you need to read your Bible. You need to pray. You need to get involved in community. Maybe you're like, I do all that. And maybe you still struggle to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. Can I challenge you tonight? Maybe you need to switch your mindset. And so I don't read my Bible or pray or go to life group to fit into some equation to kind of figure out God's will for my life. I read my Bible. I pray. I go to group. I get invested in my church because I'm learning how to dance with my partner who's leading me and guiding me through this life. And this is how I learn the steps. And this is how I learn the rhythm of the Holy Spirit for my life. (laughs) Invest in your relationship. With the Holy Spirit. My second point is this, if you're taking notes. The voice of the Holy Spirit will always lead to the fruit of the Holy Spirit. The voice of the Holy Spirit will always lead you to the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Galatians 5, and 23, it says this. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I think those two verses right there are one of the greatest filters or like life checks that we can ever have when it comes to being led and guided through life by the Holy Spirit. And just for the sake of being like kind of corny, we'll call these the fruit filters. These will be the fruit filters in our life. If you're walking through life and you're wondering if you're being led by the Holy Spirit, you can just ask yourself, Am I being guided into something that is continuing to produce the fruit of the Spirit in my life? Is this decision that I'm going to make, is this job that I'm going to take, is this relationship that I'm about to get into, is it leading me to a place where there's more evidence of the fruit of the Spirit in my life? Because the Holy Spirit will never lead you to a place that opposes the fruit that He's trying to produce in your life. The Holy Spirit will never take you somewhere that is opposite of the fruit that he's trying to produce in your life. So let's just say that there's a big decision coming up in life. Let's say that you're about to get engaged, or you're thinking about getting engaged, or you're thinking about moving across the country and taking a job. Like, you're reading your Bible, you're praying, you're going to church, you're getting plugged in, and and you still feel like you're struggling to discern what the Holy Spirit wants for your life. To be corny, once again, just put it through the fruit filter. Put it through the fruit filter. Ask yourself, will this decision lead to more of the fruit of the Spirit being produced in my life? Let's say you're about to enter into a relationship. Is this relationship going to produce love in my life? And not just sexual love or physical love or make me feel good love. Is this relationship going to push me to love others like Jesus loves others? Is this relationship going going to give me joy and not just quick gratification of saying I've got a partner and I'm not single anymore like is this going to give me joy is this is this person going to invest in me am I going to invest in them are they going to try to make me more like Jesus are we going to push each other to be closer to Jesus is this going to bring me not just happiness is this going to bring me joy do I have peace about this relationship do I know that there's something sketchy that I'm just trying to look over because they look good and they smell good, but I know they don't act good? Like, is there something I look is there something I'm looking over? Am I ignoring my peace, or is this decision leading me to a place where I have more peace? And you can go through the list: patience, kindness, self-control, whatever. Am I being led in the direction that will produce these results? Because if I am being led in that direction even if you didn't hear an audible voice from heaven, there is a really good chance that you are being led and guided by the Holy Spirit in your life. If you are making decisions that are lining up with the fruit of the Spirit, that are bringing you more love and joy and peace, and not in a selfish way, but in a godlike way, there's a really good chance you're being led by the Spirit in your life. But maybe if you're being led in a direction that is not producing that, if you're being led in a direction that is, that is leading you into, if you're being offered a choice that is going to bring shame, that is going to bring regret, that is going to bring condemnation, that is going to make you wish you didn't do that, you're probably not being led by the Holy Spirit. You're probably being led by one of the biggest oppositions to the Holy Spirit in our life. They're called our emotions. You're probably being led by your emotions. If you're being led by your emotions, you're tossed and and thrown around by any single impulse that you have. And the result of being led by your emotions isn't joy or peace or love. It's normally shame. It's normally regret. It's normally lack of self-control in your life. Or maybe you're not being led by your emotions, but maybe you're being led by culture. And you're allowing your morality, you're allowing your morals and your choices be dictated by our fickle culture that changes its mind every 10 years about what's right and what's wrong. Maybe you're allowing yourself to be led by the narratives that are being fed to us 24-7 about what's right and what's wrong and how we should think and what we should believe. And the results of those, and trust me, there are hundreds of thousands of voices that would love to lead you. There are hundreds and thousands of voices just on your phone that that tell you, hey, follow me. Let me guide you through this life. Let me show you how to be attractive to the opposite sex. Let me show you how to make money. Let me show you how to make something out of yourself. Let me show you how to have influence. There are hundreds of thousands of voices that would love to lead you and guide you. And all of those, I promise you, if you walk them out, the fruit of those voices leads you to confusion and bitterness and most of the time, shame. But Jesus said, you don't need to listen to those voices because you already have a guide. John chapter 10, he says this, he says, my sheep know my voice. But even better than knowing his voice, he said, when they know my voice, a voice of a stranger, a voice of their emotions, a voice of Culture, a voice of a stranger, they're not going to follow. My sheep know my voice. My sheep know the voice of the Holy Spirit and the voice of somebody else. They're just not going to follow. We've been given a guide, young adults. We have a guide to take us through this life, and He has a voice. And as you continue to invest in your relationship in Him, and as you filter the decisions that you make through the fruit of the Spirit, I promise you, day by day, you will begin to recognize the voice of the Holy Spirit leading you and guiding you in this life. Ben, you guys can make your way on up. My final point, if you want to become familiar with the voice of the Holy Spirit, we talked about investing in your relationship with him. Not just reading your Bible, praying, and going to church to feel like you earned something, but because you want to know more about who God is, who the Spirit is investing in our relationship with the Holy Spirit. We talked about following the fruits of the Spirit, how the Holy Spirit will never lead you to a place where there's not the fruit that he's trying to produce in your life. And my final point is this. If you want to get better at hearing the Holy Spirit's voice guide you in life, continually say yes. Continually say yes to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Because I promise you something. it's, It's worked in my life. The more you say yes to the voice of the Holy Spirit, the clearer and clearer his voice becomes. The more you say yes to being guided by the Holy Spirit, the more you say yes to following the Holy Spirit, the more you say yes to answering what the Holy Spirit asks of you to do, the clearer and clearer his voice will become. This might sound really weird to some of you, but I became a Christian my freshman year of college. I was sitting at my desk in a dorm room. I've probably shared this story a hundred times. I was with a guy that I played basketball with. His name was Sam Paul Hamas. I accepted Jesus into my life sitting on my little plastic college dorm chair. And one of the first things that I felt the Holy Spirit ask me to do was to call every single one of my ex-girlfriends and apologize to them for the way that I treated them before I was a Christian. I'm not kidding. I'm not making that up. And, and that was really weird, but in also like this also weird twisted way, I was like super excited about it because I was like, oh my gosh, like I think I heard from God. Like I think God told me to do something. And so I was like, okay, like yeah. And like, so I like called up a girlfriend I had in middle school and I was like, hey, I, you probably don't even remember who I am, but I just became a Christian, and when we were dating, I didn't treat you the way a Christian would treat a girl. I didn't treat you the way that God wants you to be treated. And so I just want to say from the bottom of my heart, I'm sorry. And don't let that be a reflection on Jesus, that was me being stupid. And I called like old high school girlfriends and girlfriends I had in college, and I was like, hey, listen, I'm sorry for the way I treated you. I, I'm a Christian now. I follow Jesus now, and, and that, that's not the way he would want you to be treated. And so from the bottom of my heart, I apologize. And I had some girls cry, and other girls were like, you're the freaking weirdest person I've ever met in my life. Never call me again. But I said yes to the voice of the Holy Spirit, and I felt like the Holy Spirit said, hey, good job. Like, good job. Like, you heard me, and you listened. You said yes. I remember when i was about to marry aaron i wanted i loved her so much and i wanted to get engaged to her and i felt like the holy spirit be like hey you can't pull one over on her you need to sit down you need to talk to her about the things that you've done in your life and the things that have been done to you in your life and i was like god i feel like i was trying to just kind of pull the wool over her eyes and like have her say yes and enter a covenant and then be like hey babe guess what i messed up like and you're stuck like you know I remember sitting on the couch and pouring my heart out to Aaron. And listen, I don't recommend you do this with everyone. If you've just been dating somebody for like three weeks and you're like, I'm gonna marry him. Like there's a, maybe you're not. And so I wouldn't recommend doing this. But I I knew I wanted to marry Aaron and I just felt the Holy Spirit be like, hey, I'll be with you. I promise you i'll be with you in this and listen the the immediate response is like but god this is hard like god this is gonna change the way she thinks about me god this is gonna like this might hurt and he's like i know but i'll be with you and i'll be there and you're, you're saying yes to me and can i tell you something as a husband there is nothing more freeing than being known by your wife like it's cool, it's one thing to be known by your friends, but there's just something that's different about entering into a covenant with somebody, and there are a lot of times, there's a lot of temptation to hide the pain and the hurt and the flaws that you have, especially as a husband now, especially as somebody that's like, hey, I'm committed to you, but I still struggle, I still wrestle, I still fall, I've still got things in my life, but can I tell you, there's nothing more freeing than being able to look into my wife's eyes and say, hey, you know me, my brokenness you know you know my strengths you know my hurts like you know me the holy spirit in that moment when i felt like it was scary he was actually trying to lead me into a place of freedom for my relationship i remember one time when i was in college i had a longboard that's how i got around and i was longboarding the class and i I saw this homeless guy out of the corner of my eye and on the way back i felt like the holy spirit said hey go go give him twenty dollars And so I just got out $20, and I gave it to the guy. And I wish I could tell you that he started speaking in tongues and dancing around, and his life was changed forever, but I gave him 20 bucks. He looked at me weird, and then I just got on my longboard and skated off back to my house. But I felt the Holy Spirit say, good job. You said yes when I asked you to do something. Last ones, I promise. Last one. I was in Kansas City visiting one of my closest friends, one of, one of my really good friends from college. And we were, and whenever I go to Kansas City, like weird God stuff happens. It's, it, it, but I, we were in a Chipotle and we were sitting down. We hadn't talked in about a year. And so we were catching up and we were eating Chipotle and he was facing me. And behind him, I saw a guy about our age who was eating all by himself. And I felt like the voice of the Holy Spirit said, you need to go talk to him. His name is John. He just moved to Kansas City for a job. He knows absolutely nobody. He's clinically depressed, and he's suicidal. You need to go talk to him. And I was like, no. Like, that is where I draw the line. Like, I'm not going to be one of those weird people that are like, hey, are you John? Are you clinically depressed? Do you have suicidal thoughts? Like... And so I told my friend, and my friend was like, cool, I'll do it. And so my friend gets up, because he's a lot bolder than me, and he walks up, and he's like, hey, man, I wanted to introduce myself. And no lie, the guy's like, hey, man, my name is John. I just moved here uh, to Kansas City for a job. I don't really know anybody, and I was just kind of eating by myself. And I felt like the Holy Spirit was like, oh, 50-50, but good job. (laughs) You listen to my voice. And we ended up hanging out with this guy and inviting him to church. Like, the more you say yes, to the Holy Spirit, the more familiar you become with the voice of the Holy Spirit. Could we all stand? We're about to pray and go back into a time of worship. I'm just believing tonight that for every single person in this room, the Holy Spirit has given you something during this message to say yes to. I'm believing in this moment, my prayer this week has been as I close out this message, that the Holy Spirit has given every single person in this room something to say yes to. Maybe for you, it's to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. The Bible says that now is the day of salvation. There's no need to wait. Give your life to God. I'm going to lead you in that prayer if that's you in a minute. But maybe for some of you in this room, maybe your yes to the Holy Spirit is hey. You need to go confess your sin to a friend. Hey, you need to go say you're sorry. Hey, you need to go pray with somebody. Hey, you need to walk over and encourage somebody. Because I think a lot of the times when we want to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit, we want this giant, grandiose, loud, Coach Tibbs type voice telling us to like move across, move to China and start a church and like start revival. And like, listen, the Holy Spirit tells you that. But oftentimes he starts with these small yeses that help you hear his voice more clearly so that when he asks you to do the bigger things, you know you're hearing his voice. And so I'm going to pray. And then I'm just going to ask you during this first song to search your heart and ask the Holy Spirit, what are you asking of me? What's my yes? How do I respond to this message? And Holy Spirit, how do I respond to you? Just follow what he says. Be obedient to the Holy Spirit. If you're in here tonight and you've never accepted Jesus, I want to give you the opportunity to. We believe that Jesus was God in the flesh, that he came down, he lived a sinless, perfect life, and that he died on a cross for nothing that he did wrong, but more so that he could pay for our sin to put us in a right relationship with God. Now that might not be the most eloquent way of describing the gospel, but I believe that the Holy Spirit's been doing work on your heart before I even started saying that. And so if you're in here tonight and you've just felt the Holy Spirit prompting you, it might feel weird, it might feel like your heart's like beating out of your chest, you're like adrenaline, I promise you it's... It's not the lights. It's not the smoke. It's not Corey and his voice. What it is is the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is just saying, come home. Let me guide you. Let me lead you. Let, let me give you peace. Let me give you love. Let me give you joy. Let me teach you patience. Let me give you self-control. Let me show you how to live a life that honors God. If you're in here and you want to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, would you shoot up your hand real quick? We're going to pray. I'm not going to make you do anything weird. Would you lift your hand if you want to accept Jesus? Awesome. I see your hand. Awesome. Can we pray? Lord Jesus, we love you so much. Father God, I'm just believing that tonight, as we talk about hearing from your Holy Spirit, that we would simply hear from you. God, would you speak to us? God, would you give us an opportunity to say yes to you? because, Father, you told us that it's better for us to have the Holy Spirit and that our Holy, the Holy Spirit doesn't leave us alone to figure out life. He doesn't leave us on our own to figure this thing out, but that he walks with us and he guides us every day of our life. And so, Holy Spirit, speak to our hearts. Magnify Jesus in our life. Show us who you are and give us a way just to respond to you tonight, to say yes to who you are and what you're doing in our life. Jesus, we love you so much, and it's in your name we pray. Amen.